guys, welcome back to the Chasing Truth Podcast. I'm Presley. And I'm Grace. And we are so glad that you have joined us for this monumental episode. (laughs) This is the last episode of Grace's Wisdom. (laughs) I thought you were going to talk about like the content of the episode. We'll get there, but I wanted to inform our listeners. Well, thanks. (laughs) Yes, adios wisdom. Sorry, this is, I guess, the last week I'll be on the podcast and... Yep, right. here we go. <laughs> so she's getting her wisdom teeth out tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, prayers her way, please. She'll be, well, a, she'll be a trooper. It'll be great. I'm just so ready to have them out that I'm I'm ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. She's been in a lot of pain. Yeah. But so that's it'll okay. be good. I okay. But, but real talk. This is a very monumental episode because we are talking about salvation and the question of, am I saved? Can you know mm-hmm. you're saved? Yeah. Can you lose your salvation? So this truly is a very monumental episode. Yeah. And I don't think when we sat down to say, okay, let's talk about doubt and the assurance of salvation. I don't think we really grasped how much in-depth theology it would take to preface this whole topic. Mm-hmm. So we ended up sitting down and working on this for hours and hours and hours and I hope that this is edifying and encouraging to you and I mean above all just makes you think so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah this might be a good note taking I pray deeply that if you are truly questioning if you're saved I pray that this brings clarity to mm-hmm. your questions and yeah. that hopefully if you're not you will be saved yeah as a result of hearing the truth mm-hmm. and searching on your own and yeah. So, so like you said, we, we realized we had to do a lot of work to preface right. answering these questions. So first to set the foundation, let's look at what part we play in our own salvation. And in defining this, I'm going to read from Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3. If you want to grab your Bible, if you're anywhere around it, go ahead. If you're driving in your car, don't grab your Bible. Yeah. (laughs) If you're listening to this in your car. Okay. So Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory." So this section of scripture perfectly depicts the Trinitarian work of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in making a way to accomplish our salvation. God tells us that before he created the world, he knew you, he had a plan to save you, and he intended to accomplish that in time through Jesus. In verses one through six, we see the role of God in salvation, that he chose us in him and predestined us for adoption to himself according to his own will. 
verses 7 through 12, we see the role of Christ in salvation. He makes known to us the will of God's plan to accomplish our salvation through his own redemptive work on the cross, out of his mercy and grace. Then finally, verses 13 and 14 show us the role of the Holy Spirit in assuring our salvation. We see in verse 13 that after we hear the word of truth, which is the gospel, and believe in Christ, we are then saved and sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And why are we sealed with this promise? Well, verse 14 tells us that it is to guarantee and give us assurance of our inheritance in heaven. Wow, that part of scripture is just so perfect and the foundation mm-hmm. of what we're going to be talking about. And just to further further define terms, you mentioned the word predestination. And I just want to define predestination real quick because I think it is very foundational to the argument that we are going to make in this episode in relation to the assurance of salvation. Because we cannot understand our ability to lose our salvation until we first understand our lack of our ability to gain it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I'm going to say that one more time. We cannot understand our ability to lose our salvation until we first understand our lack of an ability to gain it. So with that being said, predestination is the idea that the only thing you contribute to salvation is the sin that made it necessary. I don't remember who said that, but but repeat that again. That phenomenal really, quote. Phenomenal really quote. Good. <laughs> the only thing that you contribute to salvation is the sin that made it necessary. And it's also the idea that salvation is the sovereign choice of God and is not dependent on your ability to accept or reject him. It is Christ's grace and work in you and not your own. So we talked about God's sovereignty um, in last week's episode, and this is just the application of God's sovereign choice to salvation. Mm-hmm. And just to clarify, and just to for those of you who know what we're talking about, the word predestination is commonly used in Calvinism and Arminianism. Calvinism being the theory or doctrine that emphasizes total human depravity and God's sovereignty in regards to regeneration. And Arminianism, on the other hand, is the doctrine of predestination that is based on the idea of partial depravity and puts an emphasis on human responsibility and salvation. Both of these ideas are theories that seek to understand and explain the way that God organizes the eternal future of the people that he has created. However, just keep in mind, both of them are incomplete theories of man. Um, I know that Presley and I, we go back and forth on a lot of a lot of the free will argument. We yeah. we like to debate this kind of thing. I have a harder time grasping free will than I do predestination. Okay, so let me continue here for a moment. I actually really, really struggled, and I was really passionate about this whole argument about a year ago. And I went to a student apologetics conference called Rethink. I think they call it Reality now. But anyway, it's affiliated with Greg Kokel and Stand to Reason. And again, at the time, I was really passionate and very, very confused about the whole free will argument. And I didn't know if I was a Calvinist or if I was an Arminian. So I asked Alan Schleiman, who is a Christian apologist. He works for Stand to Reason and Summit Ministries. And I asked him, you know, what are your thoughts on this argument? And the answer that Alan gave me was one that I not at all expected. And it was just just so profound. I just want to share it with you all. Um, in response to the question I, ha- I asked, Alan said, I don't know. <laughs> and this confused profound. me. This confused me even more because I was like, Alan, like, if you don't know Alan Schleiman, look him up. He is extremely knowledgeable on apologetics and theology. But his answer to this question proves an interesting point. 
The debate of free will in regards to predestination is a mystery. And while it is so good to be passionate and excited about the topic, don't let it offend you. Don't make the mistake I did and build your theology and your worldview on incomplete theories of man. Instead, build it on the gospel. And I say all this because I'm sure a lot of people were waiting for us to make a stance on free will. And again, we go back and forth on it all the time. So I just want to say that is Grace says she's a a great what do you I'm a six point Calvinist that believes in free will. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's my answer. (laughs) And I don't really want to explain all of that. That could be a whole episode. But all I'm going to say is that if the predestination argument can offend you, you may want to rethink some things because again, like we said last week, we should have peace in God's predestination because if we were responsible for our own salvation, one, we could never earn it. And two, we can never keep it. So don't be passive, but don't be offended. Uh, This issue divides a lot of churches and it divides a lot of Christians. And in my opinion, the church can't afford that. Let's stand united on the gospel of Jesus and interpret scripture through the lens of the gospel and not these theories of man. So that's just what we wanted to preface this with. And now that we have the foundation of God's predestination over achieving and assuring our salvation, we can move into three different questions that we hope to answer in this episode. The first being, can you know if you are saved or not? And yes, you can. (laughs) How? Should we we be done there? (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Yeah. So yes, you can. So salvation starts with initial faith. And this is where the verse John 3, 16 comes in that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Then out of this initial faith comes the regeneration of our hearts in which God gives us the desire to have our lives brought in line with his plan. So what does regeneration mean? What do I what do I mean when I use that term? This is another word for um, rebirth, or I'm sure you've heard people say born again, uh, but you might be questioning what this means. And I was also for many years. So regeneration is the act of God changing our hearts from hearts of stone to hearts that are made alive and ones that seek after him. So it's basically just God changing our hearts. This is the transformative heart change that results in our eyes opening to the truth of his word. And this heart change causes us to want God to seek after him and to want to glorify him. And this heart change happens solely by the grace of God when we place our faith in Jesus. Amen. So moving on from that, here are some points of evidence of this heart change, this regenerative heart change in the life of a believer. One, evidence of a changed heart in the life of a believer is their love for God. This is a love that can only come from God because those who are truly saved do love God. This love for God is the source of our joy and satisfaction in life. So real life application, this is looking at yourself before Christ and yourself after Christ. Where was your worth and your happiness found before? And where is it found now? If you're in Christ, you you have a love for God and your joy and your contentment and your satisfaction is found in him now. And this just reminds me of one of my really good friends recently was just saved and she it was such an, she has such an incredible testimony because for years in high school, she just struggled with trying to find her happiness in all of the wrong places and nothing really could satisfy her, which, mm-hmm. which makes sense because nothing fa- satisfies our souls mm-hmm. like Christ. And so recently she, um, 
she just noticed a joy in one of her friends that she was working out with and started asking questions and started going to church. And in the time frame of a month, had her life completely changed, gave her life to Christ, now desires to read his word daily and spend time with him and just completely realizes that, oh my gosh, this is what I was missing. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is what my heart desires is is to love Jesus and to glorify God. Praise God. Yeah. So, so incredible. Um, another mark of a true believer and evidence of a true heart change is the hatred of sin. So we will view our sin differently after, after putting our faith in Christ. Um, we won't want the things of our old self and out of our love for God, like we talked about in the last point, we will not love what he hates. Mm. Now, does this mean that we won't struggle with sin? Absolutely not. But in that struggle, we'll feel conviction of it. And this conviction comes with a desire to repent and change. And we also, in our sin, we still have hope. The hope we have is that our sin has already been paid for. When you accept Christ, you're still going to struggle with sin because you're still in your sin. We're still in our bodies here on earth, which are captive to sin nature. However, when Christ died on the cross, he traded all of our sins, all of our past, present, and future failures for his perfect righteousness. This is also known as imputed righteousness, and we've talked about it before. But because of this, when God sees us, he no longer sees us for our sin, but as forgiven and covered with the righteousness of Christ. So when we accept God, we're still going to you still are going to struggle with sin. I still struggle with sin. Presley still struggles with sin, Mm -hmm. but we have hope. And lastly, in this point, um, evidence of a changed heart in the life of a believer is their desire for God's glory. Those who truly understand the gospel desire their whole lives to be brought in line with the purpose of the gospel, which is to bring God glory. And this is also a source of humility, contentment, and also a hard work ethic. Because when we see our lives and everything that we have as nothing more than the grace of God that we do not deserve, it becomes impossible for us to take credit for ourselves. And it also causes us to want to be good students stewards of what God has given us. Yes, so true and so good. So to sum things up, I think a lot of people will hear this and maybe have feelings of anxiety of like, oh, but I don't, I don't love God all the time and Mm -hmm. I still sin, you know, just I I can't be perfect at all of these things, but I, I really think I'm saved. And I think John MacArthur sums it up perfectly in one of his articles. He says that without question, Christians fail in each of these areas, but the direction of a Christian's life is to love God, hate sin, to live in humility and self-denial, recognizing his unworthiness and being devoted to the glory of God. J Mac just Hitting us again with the truth. The truth. So good. (laughs) So to answer the question, yes, you can know you're saved if you have confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. And because of that initial faith, because of that confession of Jesus as your savior, you will reflect the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's so good. And moving on to question two, is it okay to question if you're saved? So yes, yes, it is. (laughs) This in itself is evidence of the work of God in your heart. If you're asking this question in such a way that you desire to seek after God and to know him and worship him and love him, this is evidence of a transformed, regenerated heart. Unregenerate enemies of God cannot and will not seek after God in this way. 
They simply can't. Romans 8, 6 through 8 reminds us that a mind set on the flesh is death, but a mindset on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So to repeat what I said, if you are questioning this in a way that you you do desire to seek God and know him better, then then that is evidence of a changed heart. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're asking this question as a believer in Christ who is struggling with maybe falling into sin and wanting to glorify God, understand this. It is important to note that if you are justified in Christ, then you are no longer defined by your sins. You are defined by the righteousness that Christ has given you. And we talked about that earlier, but when you accept Christ, that doesn't mean that you no longer struggle with temptation and you are automatically perfect. No, we still (laughs) struggle with sin, but sin will have no victory over us. Amen. And I just want to point out that there is a difference between doubting your salvation because of your sin as an individual and doubting your salvation as a result of comparing yourselves to others. I struggled with a long, long time with being told that if I at all struggled with sin, then, you know, I might not be saved. And I just want to say that this is not a healthy mindset. There is no freedom in this, and there's also no spiritual growth. Now, granted, it could be needed at some points, but if it is constant, if every message that you're hearing and everything that you are, all the advice you're giving someone is this idea that if you struggle with sin, you might not be saved. There's no freedom and there's no spiritual growth. As Christians, we are given the freedom to live without fear of the punishment that we deserved because we can have the confidence that we've already been justified before God. (laughs) And because of this, we are now allowed to approach the throne of God with confidence and to grow in the grace and knowledge of God like we are called to do. Yes, yes. And for the non-believer questioning this, Praise God. Everyone will everyone will question this at some point in their lives. And I pray that God will open your eyes to the truth of his word and, and your heart will be open to this. I pray that you will come to place your faith in Jesus and you will be saved because Jesus is indeed the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Amen. Amen. So the last question that we want to wrap up on this episode is, can you lose your salvation? And we want to approach this in two different ways. First off, just logically from our knowledge of God and how he has created us. And second, biblically. So first off, if your eyes have been opened and you truly understand one, the gospel and two, the reality of the death that you have been saved from, then how in your right mind could anyone walk away from God and walk into an eternity in hell? I don't think they can. I would argue that logically we are not created to be able to turn away from our relationship with God. And furthermore, we cannot undo what God has done for us because we are not God. Mm -hmm. In the same way that we cannot save ourselves, we cannot reject the special grace or the salvific grace of God. Yeah, yeah. If we understand that we played absolutely no role in our own salvation, as depicted in in the first verses that I read of Ephesians 1, if we understand that we did nothing to earn it, but it was God himself who chose us before he laid the foundations of the earth, then how could we do anything to change what God has already determined? Mm -hmm. The true security and assurance is found in the fact that our salvation is not of our own doing because God never changes and is always faithful. We can be assured that those he has chosen to save will indeed be saved. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love that John MacArthur quote. I think he tweeted it actually, but it was, 
Oh yeah. When he, when he said, yeah. um, if you could, say? if you could lose your salvation, you would, you would, you would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or what we said last week, even we shouldn't want to be responsible for our own salvation because one, we can never earn it. And two, we can never keep it. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. You may be sitting here right now and questioning. Well, I knew someone who used to be a Christian, but has since turned their back on God. And this is a valid statement, but the Bible also has a clear answer to this. In 1 John 2.19, it says, They went out from us because they were never of us. And if they had been of us, they would have continued to be with us. So what this verse is saying is that for the people that do turn their backs on God, it is probable that their eyes were never open to the truth of the gospel, and they were never able to see realistically the death that Jesus died to save us from. And furthermore, in response to can you lose your salvation, the Bible has some answers as well. The objective truth is that once you belong to God, he will not let you go. We serve a consistent God who does not change and who will never break his promises to you. And his word is way better than any words that we could use. So I'm just going to read some of scripture. In Romans 8.38, it says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heights nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, that's so good. So we can have assurance of our salvation. So you can know that you are saved. It's okay to question if you are saved, but you cannot lose your salvation. Yes. So good. That was good. So good. So So we have another John MacArthur quote to sum up just the entirety of the main message of our episode. And this is from one of his articles titled, How Can I Be Sure of My Salvation? John MacArthur says, in summary, one's assurance of salvation does not need to be based on a past decision or an experience. It should rest, first of all, in one's faith in the objective truth of God's word, Jesus Christ and the gospel. Secondly, it should rest on the reality of a changed life marked by obedience, a love for Christ and his righteousness, and a hatred for sin. Take heart if these things are true in your life and trust God to continue to work out his salvation in your life. Mm. End quote. And that was from John MacArthur's article. That's so good. Yes. So good. And then I have just to close, to bring it all together and to kind of tie up with what we talked about with predestination earlier. If you're still struggling with that concept, I would encourage you not to go to other theologians or other books, but to just go to the word of God, Mm -hmm. because the word of God pretty well speaks for itself on the topic of predestination. And this is also just such a peaceful verse for me. But in John 10, 24, it says, And this is when the Jews were gathering around Jesus and questioning him. And they said, how long will you keep us in in suspense? If you are Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. So... Yeah. If you, I know I struggled with doubting my salvation and questioning if I was really saved or not for a very, very long time. And Mm -hmm. I would just, I just hope this is so encouraging to you and causes you to look at transformation in your life and the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And also just 
to, I mean, maybe you do need to question if you are really saved or not. That's a valid thing to question, but you can't stay there. We have to make, mm-hmm. we have to just accept and trust God's sovereignty in our salvation and be able to grow from there. We can't stay there because yeah. it's not not healthy. <laughs> so if you are still there and you have more questions, please reach out to us yeah. because we want you to have the freedom mm-hmm. that Christ brings. There's so much freedom Amen. in the name of Jesus and in accepting his gospel. There's I mean, we're made alive. Like this is the joy and this is the satisfaction and this is what keeps us going yeah. every day. <laughs> like if, if I didn't yeah. have the the joy and the peace that Christ brings and the love, like I want so many, I want everyone else to have that and experience that. And that's when we mean when Presley and I say the gospel is enough mm-hmm. because no matter what we go through here on earth, no matter anything really, the gospel is satisfactory. The gospel is mm-hmm. sufi- sufficient because the gospel is everything. Yeah. It fixes everything. The gospel is the solution. Mm-hmm. We've been given what we do not deserve. And what we do not deserve is eternal life with our savior. Yeah. And like we talked about on last week's episode, every situation is still grace. This is still grace we're living in. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, if you have any more questions, please reach out to us. We would love to answer them and we will be back next week. I'm so excited. Next week episode. Well, next week's episode is on my birthday and we have a a very exciting guest that like, this is the best birthday present to have them on. (laughs) So I'm excited and I hope you guys are too. We'll see you next week. Bye.